This is my title. You ready? Sassy Younger Widows, Marriage, and Two Temptations We All Face. Sassy Younger Widows, Marriage, and Two Temptations We All Face. See, Ben had covered the first part of this text where he talked about them caring for these widows who didn't have any way to care for themselves. And he got to the, he, he kind of addressed and had this conversation around the fact that there was a list at the end of his passage last week. There was this list that these women could be on, and they could be on the list if, in fact, they lived a certain way. When you look at that list, you're like, well, why would there be a list like that? Well, and Ben alluded to it and, and briefly touched on it, that, that these were women who, once their husbands had died, then committed themselves to serving the church and the saints. They became not really an order per se, like sort of a nunnery, not really quite there yet, but it was pretty organized, and it was a list that was written down, and the church said, you, you want to serve us especially? You want to commit yourself to not getting remarried? You want to commit yourself to serving the Lord full-time? Then we're going to take care of you, and you give yourself in service to the Lord. So there's this group of widows, they were called, who serve the Lord. And then my passage is, Paul goes, and then there's some people who shouldn't be on that list. And so now I get to deal with that passage. Let's look at it, uh, starting in verse, where does it start? Verse 11. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. Are you guys all laughing at God's word right now? (laughs) Or laughing at me? You're laughing at me, aren't you? That I have to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some, in fact, have already turned away to follow Satan. And then verse 16, he returns to the topic at hand. If any woman who's a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need, which was where he started the passage. And as Paul is uh, wont to do sometimes, he ended up then going off and teaching some things, but he was talking about caring for widows. But this is the word of the Lord, friends, and you say, thanks be to God. This passage is about these younger widows and why they weren't supposed to be on the, tech, on, on the list. And so what I looked at is I thought to myself, well, what do I do with this passage? How do I do this? And I started looking and breaking down and just reading God's Word. And I hope this is another example for us about how to study God's Word. I'm like, well, all right, well, what's my passage about? My passage is about these widows who were not allowed to be on the list. Why were they not to be allowed to be on the list? And Paul says, Timothy, there's two reasons why these people can't be on the list. And so then I go, well, that's the sermon. Because if we can relate to these widows at all, then we've got a word and a challenge to us. So here's the, you know, the outline is really about these temptation, two temptations that we share with these younger widows. And this is how you read Scripture. It was written in a context, right? Remember, this is a church in the city of Ephesus of Christian believers who was pastored by a young man named Timothy in his 30s who is being mentored by Paul, and Paul wrote him the letter to say, hey, listen, in this time, in this era, in 61 AD or whatever the time is close to that, Uh, here's what's going on. I want to talk to you. And we look at that. God inspired that word to be written to this church at this time. And then we take it and we go, now, what does that mean to me? How do I understand what I'm supposed to do with that text? 
And so this is the kind of question we, okay, well, here's these, ten, these things that these younger widows are doing, and now what do we do that's just like that, and how can we learn from it? So two temptations that we share with the younger widows. Number one, in our immaturity, we make pledges we can't keep. Now remember, did you go back? Look at verse 11 and, and, and 12 again. Let's look at that text. Uh, as for younger widows, don't put them on the list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. And so they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. In our immaturity, we make pledges we can't keep. See, they were just like the older widows. They were pledging, if they were going to be on this list, to not getting remarried. This is what happened. Their husbands uh, passed away, and the church said, okay, you're a widow. What are you going to do? And some of them said, sign me up for the widow list. I'm pledging to not get married. I'm pledging to serve Jesus full time. You guys take care of my needs, and I will serve the saints, and I will serve the body, and I will share my faith, and I'll do all the things that I need to do. I'm giving myself fully to the service of the Lord, including never being married again, so that I can be set apart for the service of God. Okay, this is what was happening. And Paul said, come on, you're too young to do that. Because what's going to happen is your sensual desires are going to get uh, overcome you. What is the words that he uses? They will overcome your dedication to Christ and you're going to want to marry. Friends, in our immaturity, we make decisions and pledges that we can't keep. Do you know that? We get all fired up about stuff and we decide we're going to do something intense for God. These guys were so, it sounds good, right? They're all excited about serving Jesus. But it's very severe. And in the end, they realized they couldn't and shouldn't have made that pledge. I remember when I was about 20 years old, I read a book about Dawson Trotman. Anybody know that name? He's a guy who began the Navigator's Ministry, and, uh, which is a ministry among uh, servicemen. And he was so passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus with people and knowing that that role was in our hands and in the hands of the church, that he committed himself as a young man to never going one day in his life without sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. So that somebody in his world, in his midst, in his, that he crossed paths with, somewhere along the line, every single day of his life, would know how to accept Christ as Savior because he thought, that's what I'm left on earth for, man. Otherwise, I should have just, zoom, when I became a Christian. I got to work, some work to do. I'm gonna, I mean, I read that book. It's probably 20 years old. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Lord, I am on this earth to share the good news of Jesus. I will not let one day go by without sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody. I thought about it about for four or five minutes, and I thought, that's what I'm doing for the rest <laughs> of my life. Well, it was awesome. I had a new mission. I had a new passion. I had a pledge before the Lord, right? Can you see it? I got up from my, my, uh, my you know, uh, I was living in an apartment with a bunch of college guys. I got up, you know, bright and early at 11 a.m. like we always did, and... Uh, got out into the world, and it was on the forefront of my brain for the first week that this is what I was going to be about. And man, I found all kinds of opportunities. It was awesome. I ran across people. They would, people would come up to me, and, and I'd be in line. I'd have my Bible, and somebody would go, uh, hey, do you have the time? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd go, what is that, a Bible? Yeah, it's a Bible. Oh, and I'd realize, there it is. Lord, you gave it to me, right? And sometimes it didn't happen. And so it would be 3, 4 o'clock, and I'd be at the end of my day of class. I'd get on my bike at UC Davis, and I'd be about to ride home, and I'd think, darn, I didn't share my faith with somebody. So I'd look around the quad for some sucker. 
I taught myself so much about it. It was so fascinating as a, as a, as a training exercise because I just had to learn how to talk about my faith. So I'd come up to some dude leaning against a tree and I'd be like, hey, you want to hear about Jesus? You know? And the guy would be like, no. And I'd be like, well, okay, but it's my pledge. So what I, here's the deal. And I would tell him about Jesus. There got to be a number of times where I would get all the way home and I'd eat dinner. And I'd be doing homework. It'd be 10 o'clock at night. And I would forget that that was what the pledge that I'd made to the Lord. It's raining. It's dark. It's winter quarter. I get on my bike in the rain. I go drive to the library, try to find something in the library. Psst, I know we're not supposed to talk, but that never went well. And then I drive home mad. That happened two or three times. By the third time at 11 o'clock at night that I had forgotten and hadn't shared my faith that day, now I'm just mad at God, right? I literally went up to people, strangers on the street, and said, look, here's the deal. I made a promise to God. Can you just sit down and listen to me for five minutes? I just think the Lord stood there the whole time. So, so what, you get what happened? Then when I stopped, then when there were times when it, the opportunity didn't arise or when I had forgotten, I lived with such guilt and such shame that I'd made this promise before God and I couldn't fulfill it or didn't fulfill it. And in fact, the enemy then would whisper to me, and you don't want to fulfill it. You don't really love God. You're weak. You're never going to be a servant of the Lord. Anybody have those messages ever come your way? In our immaturity, we make pledges that we can't keep, that we shouldn't have made in the first place. And the fruit of them is guilt and shame and disappointment and even resignation. I guess it's not going to work for me. You, think about your pledges. Ah, oh, man, Jeff challenges me about the Bible. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I want to be a man of God's Word. I'm going to memorize Leviticus, right? <laughs> I just think the Lord sits back at those things and goes, dude, I am not asking you to do this. I'm way more realistic than you are right now, Jeff, says the Lord, or to you. And I, the, so not only is there that guilt and that shame and, and that, that disillusionment and all of that, which, by the way, is a misread of the gospel because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But sometimes we make pledges in our immaturity that put on heavy stuff on us that God doesn't even put on us. Does some of you need to be free to hear that this morning? He says in verse 12, um, they bring judgment on themselves when they make these pledges they can't keep. That's an interesting word. I think that's judgment of other people who said, wow, you got all fired up for God and you made a pledge and you, I'm watching you not fulfill it. I also think he means we judge ourselves when we don't fulfill it, right? Does he mean God there? Maybe. We don't know. Do we bring judgment on ourselves, meaning God judges us because we broke our pledge? We know there's no judgment and uh, there's no condemnation in Christ, but does God judge us? I think that God does look at us and go, you know, I'm pretty serious about the things you promised to do, so only promise to do the things I ask you to do. So there's a sense of judgment about having missed God's plan. You with me on this? A couple more thoughts about pledges before I just uh, kind of let this go. And this, this is what the sassy widows did. They made this, yeah, I want to live for you, God. And then later they're like, oh, it means I don't get to get married. I don't have to have, I, and they said their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ. There's no way around that text right there. Sassy widows. Oh, wait, you're asking me never to be intimate again with a man? Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, no, I'm out, okay? 
couple thoughts more about pledges. Um, your pledges, friends, should probably be very few and far between. In fact, in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, and he talks about oaths, and he goes, I'm telling you, don't make an oath. Don't even make oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, don't talk about what you're going to do. Just do it. Live out of the conviction that God gives you, follow him, and then do those things. Yes is yes, no is no. If you want to be a man of God's word, get up and read God's word. Don't be like, I will be memorizing the New Testament by the time I'm 41. Don't do that unless God tells you to go do that. Let your pledges be few and far between. Now, that's not to say not to make vows. There are times in our life where pledges and vows are absolutely necessary and part of our journey. And Paul made a vow, Acts 18, Paul made a vow. So he's not saying don't ever make vows. I mean, man, we were at a wedding on Friday night. I mean, weddings are powerful realities because you got up and vowed some stuff. I'm vowing to close the back door. I'm vowing to give myself. I'm vowing to trust the Lord in this. I'm vowing to work this deal out. I'm vowing to, to surrender my heart to this person, even though it could be incredibly painful. I mean, that's intense. We make vows because what, marriage is a hard thing. There's other vows that we do in our lives. Our baptismal vows are powerful. I take very seriously our vows when we dedicate our children or line those new members up here. I take that dead seriously. And those are important because I think there's some times in our life where God says, I don't want you kind of seeing how it goes. You make some, some vows. But they have to be few and far between, friends. Second thought about, about pledges. You've got to be sure it's from the Lord. You, you want to be sure that it's from the Lord before you go making a pledge. And how are you going to be sure that it's from the Lord? By walking with Jesus in that decision for a while. Just like you would never in the moment be all inspired and go, I kind of like you on the first date. I kind of like you. You know what? I'm committing to you forever. You know, you don't, some people did that and the Lord blessed you and met you in it, you know. It's funny. You hear some of our grandparents' stories, by the way. I don't know why it's like that generation, but some of those folks that got married, like in the 30s and stuff like that, they knew each other for like a day. It was awesome. But we don't do that. We walk with the Lord and we listen to God. And we, I mean, literally, friends, come on. This is a living God. And we're called to walk with Jesus. And his spirit is in us. And we can hear him speak. And we can learn to discern his voice. And we have to be confirmed in those things before we make these pledges before God. Because the shame and the guilt and the disappointment and disillusionment when we have to break them and the judgment of everybody around us, including unbelievers, is such a strong price to pay that we can't make pledges too lightly. So we got to be sure and walk with God in those things. Here's another thought about pledges. When something's spiritual and awesome, it does not then require a pledge from you. Here's my example. I was 21 years old. I went to the Urbana Conference, an international missions conference held at the University of uh, Illinois at uh, Champaign-Urbana. And at the end of this deal, they're like, hey, there's 20,000 of us in the room. There's 16,000 unreached people groups in the, in, the, in the whole world. You each commit. We're going to reach the whole world for Christ in our generation. Who's in? And it's five days of worship and begging God to come and speak to the world and wanting the gospel to be spread to the ends of the earth, man. You are not human. If the end of that thing, you are not like, ah, I'm totally in. And I remember standing at 21 years old going, I will be a missionary. And I remember the Lord going, no, you won't. What are you doing? <laughs> but I didn't hear that till later because it was spiritual and it was awesome and it was a powerful moment. I thought it required some sort of a pledge on my part. But friends, I didn't walk with Jesus over time over it. And I didn't hear the Lord lead me. And I'm a yes and yes and no. No, I just sort of made this pledge. 
We, we have to be careful that when we get all fired up and the Lord meets us in prayer about our love for our wives, we don't come and we don't say, you know what I've decided to do? I'm going to come home every night by five after five and go for a walk with you to demonstrate my love for you. And we're going to spend six nights a week together dating. Because, you, know, you don't make pledges when you get fired up that you can't keep. Do not, what's the, what's the old phrase? Do not write checks that your body can't cash. You know, don't do that. Uh, just because it's awesome and just because it's spiritual, it doesn't require a pledge. Wait and walk with the Lord and real change will have its way. You with me? You understand? There's another thought about pledges. Severe and difficult does not always equal God's will. Did you know that? Some of us look at our lives and we go, well, there's two paths to take. Either we adopt 11 children from Russia and China and uh, India or we send our children off to college and now we have an empty nest and enjoy our marriage for a few years. Those are my two options. <sighs> well, that's selfish and that's clearly from the Lord, right? What kind of trouble do we get into running ahead of the Lordship of Jesus when the hard thing or the thing that seems most spiritual is the thing that we think requires some sort of a pledge from us? We get at all kinds of bondage that way. The hard thing is not always the thing, or the thing that we think is hard is not always. Again, his burden uh, is easy, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It, it might be the other way around. Now, I say all that, and I'm gonna, I have to give this caveat, because it's in my personality to preach the opposite sermon than the one I just gave you. The opposite sermon is this. Do you have no pledges in your life? Do you have nothing that you're stepping up to? Have you not listened to the Lord until he's put deep and powerful convictions on you till you say to him, I must serve you in this way? Come on, church, do you have none of those? Because that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? There are few times where God comes on us in our life and says, you be about this, get up and be about it. And with the intensity of the conviction and the power of the Spirit of God within us, we say, I'm in. So do not always take the easy way out. Because I said the things I said before. You with me on all that? Sometimes in our immaturity, we make pledges that we can't keep. By the grace of God, we can hear the Lord and walk with Him. These sassy widows were so young that they didn't understand what was in front of them, and they jumped to this commitment, and they were going to end up probably causing some serious damage in their relationship with God because they couldn't understand that they shouldn't have made that pledge in the first place. And people around them said, what are you, what are you doing? You can't even fulfill your pledge. So let us be careful by God's grace about our pledges. What pledges are in your life, and what pledges shouldn't be in your life? And let's settle those with Lord, the Lordship of Christ. All right, well, the last thing, the second the temptation that we share with younger widows is we get distracted and petty as we, serve, as we go to serve God. So look at verse 13. They get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. This is a, a scary, awful verse for all of us. We should run and hide in fear that we could ever be described as people who ended up being idle and busybodies instead of busy, busy and gossipers and saying non, speaking nonsense and uh, not helping anyone, saying things we shouldn't say. This, I, I phrase this as getting distracted and petty as we try to serve God. They said, we're going to, in their immaturity, they tried to serve God, but they lost their focus. They felt like they knew what God had put on their hearts to do. 
And some of these young widows needed probably to have committed themselves to not being married and to serving God full time. Yeah, right on. God was in that. But they would, get, they would lose focus and they would become, um, instead of building up the church, they would diminish it. Instead of serving people, they would use people. Instead of helping people, they would degrade people. This is an awful thought until I started reflecting on it and I thought this happens all the time in our lives and in church. Where this conviction starts, we feel called, we understand what this is about, we get on a committee to serve God somehow really powerfully. And then we start getting distracted. And then we start realizing that, that I don't really want to do the hard work that it takes, or I sort of missed the boat on this deal, or nobody around is working as hard as I want to, or we just sort of, maybe we accomplished what it was, and we sort of get distracted, and we feel like we sort of arrived. And so now there's no real work to serve the Lord. It's sort of too easy. And then we start wasting time, and then we waste all of our efforts and gifts, and then we're not plugged into other real ministry, and then pretty soon we start even diminishing the church. We start doing, there have been some committees and ministries, friends, that have been around way too long. And they start diminishing the church because over time sometimes and in our immaturity, we can get distracted and not do the things God's called us to. I mean, I've got an example of a small group of guys that I was in, that we were in that group to powerfully build ourselves up and support one another and be powerful allies in the kingdom of God. But we kind of did that, and as we got comfortable with each other, we weren't on our guard so much, and we weren't so attentive to what God had called us to do in the first place. And so then we started hanging around and having a couple beers together and just yucking it up and being buddies. And then it went from there to even then sort of church bashing, right? And it wasn't about you. It was way back in my past. It had nothing to do with you. But there was then we'd sit around and we'd talk about how ridiculous the church can be and how crazy church leadership can often end up being. And we'd have that kind of conversation. And then it was pretty much, aren't we smart, and aren't we funny, and aren't we the best, and isn't everybody else losers? And that was our small group. Does it? I know that reflects poorly on me, but can you understand where that goes sometimes in your relationships, in your ministry, and in your heart? We could do that as a church, friends. We could get all fired up about this building. We could get all fired up about raising this money and seeing what the next season of life is going to be for Marin Covenant and how he's going to serve people and bring more people and be exposed to the gospel. We could get all fired up about that. And you know what? When we hit our goal financially and then this building gets built, we could start to get distracted. And we could waste a lot of time and energy about what we do with this building. And even beyond that, we could use this thing as an opportunity for disunity because we can start having too much time on our hands. And instead of working towards something productive, we end up just spinning our wheels and arguing about, and we joke about this, the color of the carpet. Our prayer, you can't imagine how many times we've prayed this in several different contexts from staff to building committee to leadership team. Our prayer is God protect us from the unfathomable reality that the enemy could actually cause disunity in our growth and our success. Come on, not in that, God. That's what happens when we get all this time on our hands, and that's what these young widows did. They would have so much time, they would just spin their wheels and end up kind of falling apart. So Paul tells him to get married. That's why in my title I said that I put marriage in there. There's a piece on married. Paul tells him to get married. It's almost like it's a punishment. Hello. <laughs> and we don't have time to go into that, but you should probably read about Paul's views on marriage. You know, you, it's, okay, we've talked about marriage. Marriage isn't easy. God's grace has to be on marriage people the way God's grace has to be on single people. If they're called to be married, you need his grace and you get his grace. If you're called to be single, you get his grace and you need his grace. 
But Paul goes, so tell these people to get married. Why? Because young widows at the time, if they got married and then took care of a household, friends, they weren't, they weren't eating bonbons and watching days of our lives. There was a lot to do to manage your household. They would be busy enough to not become idle and spin. He's basically saying, do something productive in your life. This is how I translate it. Listen, figure out what your call is, what's God asked you to do through the lordship of Jesus, and then get busy. Stay out on the edge. Depend on Jesus. Serve him powerfully. Serve him with all your might. You, can't, you won't get distracted. Those teams that are working together to reach students for Christ don't spin their wheels. They're praying for all of the kids who don't yet know Jesus in this county. You know what I'm saying? We get going. He goes, you go get married. And then he says in verse 15, if you look at the text, he says in verse 15, he goes, and then if you get busy, then people, the the adversaries, those who oppose you have no opportunity for slander. That, that, uh, uh, the enemy is not Satan right there. Satan's in the next verse, on verse 15. That is the, the, those who oppose you, the enemy, those who are enemies of the faith have no opportunity to say to you, you know what, I knew Christianity is a joke because look at how those people spin their wheels and tear down one another. What a joke. They can't slander us because we're busy with the things that God has given us to do. Well, I got plenty more in this text because I studied it long and hard, fearful that I wasn't going to have anything to tell you about this thing. But, you know, that last thought's pretty, pretty powerful. Verse 15, some have in fact already, sorry, the verse 15, some have already in fact turned away to Satan, to follow Satan. Here's what this says. If we do not follow Jesus, it's like following Satan. Some have turned away. They've made pledges they can't keep. They've turned away from pledges that they shouldn't have made in the first place. They've turned away from the Lord in their, in their, their, uh, their shame and their guilt. Some have gotten busy and idle and ended up doing a lot of other stuff with their time instead of serving Christ. And he says that's just like following Satan because the devil's having his way in our lives. In their immaturity, they made pledges they can't keep, so do we. They got distracted and petty in their service for God. That's what happens to us when we become idle. So friends, let's walk with God. Let's hear his call alone, and then let's get busy with what God has put on us to do. So the body of Christ is built up. That's what maturity looks like. Them sassy widows but we can't blame it all on them. Let's us be God's followers as we go forward.